Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Exurgat Deus Dissipentur Dinimici Eus, et Fugiancio Deruteum Apache Eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, <clears throat> I felt kind of convicted, because it's been a little bit this last week. Um, I haven't actually been on, on the air all too much, except to do that story about Father James Jackson. Um, the in all honesty, things have been very, very interesting these last couple of uh, these last couple of weeks in my spiritual life. Um, managed to unearth a few things that I did not know were there, um, which is a surprising grace. Um, it's very rare that you get an opportunity to. be cognizant of an of a literally diabolical attack as it's happening um and to experience the grace of god in that moment um so as always i ask that you continue your prayers uh for me and for those like me who are silly enough to get into catholic social media and remember the devil's trying to take us all down um you may not be aware of the things that are going on in your own life that are more on the diabolical end, and that's perfectly fine. It's actually, I, I don't know, I would argue it's probably a little bit easier to go through. Um, however, if you're not aware of those things that are going on that are more specifically diabolical, it's much more difficult to defend yourself against it. Um which is why prayer and fasting 
and penances, living in accordance with your state and status in life is so very, very, very important. Um, I do kind of want to do a little bit of a roundup of some of the stuff that's going on in the world today. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where we land on this one. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in puerilia. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili deas supplicas de precamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignosque ad perditionem animarum, peregantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum retrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatis Caralusa Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende pacem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I suppose we'll start with contempt. A lot of people like, okay, so it's perfectly normal um, to regard certain things with dis disgust. There are disgusting things going on in the world. I think probably case in point would be the recent news um, that apparently somebody filmed an amateur um, gay sex video in one of the halls of the Senate, I think one of the one of the rooms where they do the, uh, uh, oh, what you call it, the committee meetings. It's like a committee hall. Um, <clears throat> I'm not terribly surprised by it. It's one of those things you, you, you know, you hear about it, you're like, oh, goodness gracious. Well, the guy, the guy who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, you know, got arrested. And what's going to happen to these people? Well, nothing. I think we've also kind of forgotten a few years back, well, several several years back, there was a giant scandal um, about the Senate and the House taking advantage of congressional pages. And congressional pages, for those of you who don't know or maybe don't remember, um, they are minors who are volunteering in the Capitol and typically 15, 16, 17 years of age. It's been a thing for a very, very long time. So the idea that a staffer would film a porno, an amateur porno, in, in the Capitol, I don't know why that would be at all surprising. <clears throat> it's, I don't know. It, it, the reactions seem to be a lot more, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... Oh, I don't remember the word. Anyway, they're doing it basically kind of going through the motions is what it seems like. Um, I don't honestly believe that anybody's particularly offended. Seriously. Now, as Catholics, we, of course, would be offended. And Christians, those who are more uh, traditional in their mindset, they're obviously going to be offended. But, I mean, at some point, you kind of got to look and go, okay, well, that's one more thing to do penance for. That's one more thing to pray intercessory prayers in hopes that will in hopes that somebody will pull their head out of their duff and realize uh, something has to be done to clean all of that up 
Because the longer we let, let all of this go, the worse it's going to be. And that's just a fact. The longer we allow these things to continue to transpire, the longer we fail to treat them with the disgust that they are supposed to, you know, and, and, with, and actually show them to be the repugnant acts that they are, the worse it's going to be. There aren't enough people who are really talk, you know, speaking out about it. Yeah, it's, it made a splash on Twitter. Ooh. Until somebody's actually arrested over that stuff and they actually, and they actually start acting in a manner that enforces moral, natural law. I mean, it's pretty much a lost cause up there, out there in D.C. And by now it should be obvious. You know, I'm sure there are going to be some people who are all like, oh, hey, you know, this really should not have happened. But I think probably the bigger surprise to me was that there weren't other people in the room. Seriously, I, that's the bigger surprise to me, is that there weren't other people in the room. Because that place is an absolute cesspool. You know, we've had in the last couple of weeks sort of dark revelations, I guess you could say, that all of the things that we've been talking about across the spectrum, and when I, when I say we, I don't mean like, because I don't specifically mean here. I've never actually done a story on Pizzagate um, because, well, honestly, I never cared enough to. Um, but we had the Pizzagate story. And mind you, when that story came, if I would have been doing this podcast back then, I would have covered it extensively. Um, we did have the Balenciaga thing come out, you know, what was it? Six, six, eight months ago. Very, very hard to keep track of time these days. Um, you know, the, the Balenciaga sort of weird photo spread that they decided to do that generated a lot of out. It generated a lot of outrage for about five minutes. Um, what I noticed is that nobody's talking about it. Balenciaga is still fairly prominent in society. They didn't actually get cut off. I don't know. At this point, I don't know why we're surprised by these things. We should be mourning them, to be sure. We should be grieved by them, and we should see them as, rep as repugnant, contemptible, and disgusting. They absolutely are. But one of the things that one of the reasons why we should not be surprised that these things are happening is because, well, the feds went after Father James Jackson. Okay, and rightly so, it would appear. But where did he get the material? And why haven't the feds gone after them? See what I'm getting at? Oh, this guy had a whole bunch of this guy had a whole bunch of child porn on it on his laptop and a hard drive or whatever. Okay. Why isn't anybody going after the people who made it? I mean, unless you're suggesting that that the people who who have who possess and maybe traffic in child porn are the ones they themselves in every case that are making it. And to be sure, that's not outside the realm of possibility, at least for some of them, at least for a percentage of them. But most people aren't accused of making 
the material, they're accused of possessing it. Where did they get it, and why is no one going after them? How can we be ter- how can seriously, how can we be surprised that these things are happening when we still don't know who's in Jeffrey Epstein's black book? You know, we're fairly certain he didn't kill himself. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. We know Ghislaine Maxwell just went just went to prison. Okay, well, that's great. What about the rest? Maybe we should know who these politicians and these businessmen are so we can remove them from society, so we can stop giving them access in the world, take away their influence. So, two dudes doing it in in a committee chamber? Really? Oh, okay, cool. They filmed it. All right, well, whatever. Not a surprise at this point. It's not. You can pretend to be outraged about it. You can be legitimately outraged about it. But I'm going to tell you right now that if you're le- that if you're outraged about it, like if you're deeply emotional about it, you need to actually take a look at your priorities because that is by far the least scandalous thing to come out of to to actually happen in the Capitol. And that's a, and that is a fact. Somebody filming an amateur gay porno in a committee chamber in the Capitol is the least scandalous thing to come out of the Capitol probably in the last several years. It's a scandal to be sure, but I don't put it on par with sending hundreds of billions of dollars to a war that we're pretending we have an interest in. And sacrificing some 200 or 300,000 Ukrainians on the altar of something that they say is the altar of liberty, except it's really not. You've got one side that's speaking out about Israeli violence, and the other side is speaking out about the violence coming out of Hamas, and almost none of them are... I mean, there are Catholic commentators who are, who are actually condemning both. And taking a lot of flack for it, to be sure. But people condemning the violence on both sides, people condemning the extermination of the Christians who are very clearly just caught between two warring sides, nobody's talking about them. And it's not like... It's not like there's not crimes aplenty to go around. You know, the IDF came out, I think, earlier today and said that they accidentally shot three hostages. They killed three hostages. Supposedly, I guess it was an attempt to rescue them, maybe? But it also came out today that the IDF has been running a covert channel. I don't know how covert it could really be, basically doing war porn. And war porn, um, using pornography in the more broad sense, not just the sexual sense, War porn showing the atrocities that the IDF soldiers are committing against people. Now, I don't know if there's... I've, I've seen blurred out images, and so I don't know if we're talking about combatants or non-combatants, and honestly, I don't care. The idea that they would be running, they would be running a demoralization campaign like that should be offensive to everybody. But 
should not be more offensive than Hamas going around and filming the rape and murder of, of a thousand Israeli citizens. Because, I mean, we're talking we're talking about brutalization. We're talking about violence, actual violence, not, you know, the supposed violence that the left says the right commits against them all the time, but real, actual bloodshed, real, actual torture, real, actual crimes. I think the key thing that I've noticed is that our priorities as a society are completely out of order. And if we're not careful, we as Catholics will end up completely out of order ourselves. We will fall into disorder individually. Now, thankfully, we do have Our Lady's mantle of protection and the protection of Holy Mother Church and the protection of our Lord's most precious blood and the protection of His sacrifice on the cross. And we desperately must stay focused on those things in light of all of the other stuff because there's enough out there for us to get swept up in the currents of this world. You know, kudos to the Christian dude in Iowa who who decapitated that statue in in, uh, their state house, I think it was. Kudos. But we have (laughs) Republicans, so-called right-wingers, coming out and saying, but that's not the way we need to be fighting this war. Really, dear, I don't think you've actually read sacred scripture on this matter. Maybe you have, and you got one of those sanitized versions that Luther put out, or one of the new sanitized versions that came out in the af- after the 1960s. But if you look at any of the, if you look at any of the, you know, the true, the uh, faithful texts, the faithful reprints of any text that has been published prior to 1960 of the full volume of sacred scripture, the you know, the Catholic Bible prior to 1960, it's pretty clear on the, uh, pretty clear on the whole deal. That man in Iowa actually didn't go far enough. You know, kudos to, to Alexander Shuguel and Dr. Taylor Marshall when they went and did the thing with the Pacha, with the Pacha heifer statues. Um, but they're wood. And you threw them into the Tiber. Wood floats, boss. Of course they were going to be recovered. Those should have been broken and burned. Broken and burned. And the same thing is true with that statue, that with that display, that satanic altar in the in the Iowa House. Those things cannot be allowed to stand. They cannot. My God, you're persecuting us. No, error has no rights. You don't actually have the right to erect those altars, to build those statues. You don't actually have that right. It is idolatry, and it is a front, an affront to the one true God. And you are the same people who were all about the COVID hysteria, and you're the same people who were all about murdering babies, and you're the same people who have been lying to the American people about where all of the money's going. You're the same people who are breaking the backs of the American people through onerous taxes and then turning around and sending that money to the tune of billions of dollars to nations that don't have anything to do with any kind of morality be it Ukraine, be it Iraq, be it Afghanistan, be it 
any of the other nations around the world. We're sending subsidies out to nations that hate us, and you're doing so by creating debt in order to create more money out of thin air. And the side effect is, is that an increasing number of people in this, in this country, the country that you're supposed to be serving as politicians of this nation, you're sending their money overseas, you're sending the money to the military-industrial complex so they can give a pittance to the people who are building the weapons, and you can get a $10 million annual salary. While babies starve, while veterans who sacrifice their lives and their health for the sake of this nation live destitute, homeless, and starving, drug-addled in many cases, on the streets. Well, we can do both. Well, you haven't done either. We can support Ukraine in their war and take care of people at home. Well, you're not doing either, so what's going on? We can support Israel, and we can take care of people who are at home. Well, you're not doing either. Millions of people flooding across the border. Do you understand how much of a powder keg this nation is going to be in the aftermath of the next election? Have you any idea? If a Democrat wins, no Republican is going to believe the results. If a Republican wins, no Democrat is going to believe the results. And this time around, especially in the aftermath of the treatment of so many people as a result of your January 6th so-called insurrection, you're risking a much, much greater turmoil than you've ever risked before. And if the people do finally figure out that the only cure for this thing is to, is to basically eradicate the city of Washington, D.C., level the buildings, leave not one stone on top of another, and salt the earth. If they don't figure out that that's what's actually going to have to happen, well, what are we going to do about the country? Tend to your own people. That's the only practical answer at this point. But cut the heads, the many thousands of heads of this nasty hydra off. Because if we don't, hang on, National Guard's flying over the apartment. <sighs> yes, in fact, I know it was just a mere second, but I am in fact still here. It's a perfect topic to be talking about under with an approaching helicopter. Oh, they're coming for you. Anyway. This next time, people may actually figure it out. We already know one side's willing to burn down cities. We already know that. We know that they're hunting. Videos come out on social media pretty much every single day of violence being perpetrated seemingly for no reason, according to these people in politics. Look, 
I would like things to be at that level of blissful ignorance that maybe we had in the 80s and 90s. It would be comforting. But the one thing I have figured out in these last few years is that comfort isn't Catholic. It's not Catholic to be comfortable. And we don't have to lean out over our skis and get crazy with stuff. You know, it's not for each of us individually to foment the counter-revolution. We have to hold true to our principles, and then when there is an actual identifiable threat, you do what you can to eliminate that threat. Well, there's an actual identifiable threat in, the, in, in our capital city. As to what the path forward is, is to, as to how to handle it, i got to be honest with you, I don't really know. It is, it has been my experience that multitasking, even for a massive group of people, isn't particularly effective. Certainly, certainly not if you want to win the propaganda war and actually win the hearts and minds. Now, if you're willing to forego the whole winning of hearts and minds and actually just do what needs to be done, it does simplify things to a degree. Not overly much, but it does simplify things to a degree. But anybody who's actually thinking that there's going to be some sort of uh, political solution within the structures of the Constitution of these United States is mistaken. You cannot negotiate with people who are not honest. There's no negotiating with demons. You'll lose that battle every time. First off, in the case of, of demons, they're actually smarter than us. By no small degree. Second off, we're stepping outside of our bounds if we're not an exorcist, and even exorcists have very particular rules that they have to abide by. I think at this point we should probably take all those loud noises coming from outside, from outside the studio as punctuation. The people who are under this control, the people who are... <clears throat> Let me back up real quick. The congressional staffer and whoever it was else who was in the video, that person thankfully has not been identified. And I say thankfully because I don't want to know. I don't care. They are subject to demons. Now, granted, in those moments during that filming, there were no demons in the room, to be sure. But when that was all said and done, when that whole act was finished, the demons were back. Clearly, they were back. They were, there they were there before the filming. They obviously could not stay around during the filming. <clears throat> and they were there after the filming. And clearly those two are not paying that much attention to their guardian angels. Which means that the predominant force, 
that's guiding them is going to be completely, pretty much completely diabolical. We would, we look at that whole thing and we say, well, there's norms in place for stuff like that, except they don't believe in those norms. So you can talk about those norms all day long and they will not cooperate because they don't believe in those norms. And the same thing is true for all of these people who are doing all of these uh, unconstitutional things to our country. They don't believe in those rules. So you can talk about how the Constitution provides for this, that, and the other, and it restricts this, that, and the other all you want. You can talk until your face turns purple. They don't care. For them, it's just a piece of paper with some words on it. And you can tell by the way that they go out of their way to try to redefine nearly every word in the English lexicon that they're not concerned about the meanings or the identities of things. These are attacks directly on God. So how do you, how do you propose, pray tell, that we compromise with these people, that we negotiate with these people? They've made it very clear that they're not willing to negotiate. They've made it very clear that they're not interested in a peaceful reconciliation. And the sooner we get that through our heads, the better. The sooner we take it to under we actually take to understanding that these people are not interested in the continued existence of good. And they believe in their twisted little minds that they can eradicate all things that are good, right, good, true, and beautiful. And this is not so. This is not possible. I stepped outside this morning to smoke a cigarette and I looked out at, the, at a sunrise that was so beautiful, that was a shade of gold so pure that the most refined, pure gold has to be jealous. Has to be. That's not the work of men. That's the work of God. You're not going to eradicate the work of God. It's not possible. So they can fight and rail against the right, the good, the true, the beautiful. All they want. They will not destroy it. They cannot destroy it. They will fail. And because they tried and they did not repent, because they refused to relent, because they refused to see the error of their ways, they will go to hell. And God willing, they'll repent before the end. And we'll get to see them in heaven. And God will be glorified by His mercy. But if they hold on the path that they're on, they will commit themselves to hell. And God will be glorified by His justice. That one lesson alone should be enough to know that no matter what you do, you cannot overthrow God. You can only throw, overthrow God in your own life, and that does you no good, because God will be glorified either in His justice with your damnation or in His mercy with your repentance. There's no way that they get out, out of the, the fact, the reality that every knee will bow, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, You're not getting out of that. There's no avoiding that. 
You can fight it all you want on this earth, and you're the one who loses. Or you can conform yourself to reality. You can conform yourself to the truth. You can, yet, you can let the word yes actually mean yes and have your yes be simply yes and your no be simply no. Or you can try to redefine it, shake it up, mix it in with some, with, with some shake and bake herbs and spices and try to turn a turkey or a chicken into a fish. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. Why? Because none of us wrote the rules. None of us established the laws of physics. We were not there when the Lord said to the, to the proud sea, this far and no further. We were not there when he set the earth upon the pillars over the waters. We were not there when he formed the mountains. We were not there when he formed the hills. We were not there when he wove together every blade of grass and sculpted the form of every cricket and ant and mosquito. We were not there when he painted the colors onto the scales of the fish. And it was not us by our own power that formed Adam out of clay and then breathed life into it. It was instead his power that formed Adam out of the clay of the earth and breathed life. And none of us were born of our own design. None of us were woven together in our mother's wombs by our own hands, by our own will. And the sooner everybody figures that out, the better. And these people seem intent. They seem hell-bent on not figuring it out. So we pray for them. We pray that God pours out the graces. I pray for those two degenerates in that committee hall to wake up one day, look at themselves in the mirror, and realize, oh, this cannot be. I can't go on like this. And it's not like it's impossible. It happens almost every day. People wake up and they look and see everything that's going on around them. And, they, and <clears throat> periodically throughout, throughout the course of each day, people look and go, no, this can't be the way. This can't be. We can't allow this to go any further. I cannot allow myself to continue to sink in this level of degeneracy. I have to have to do something. And what we should be as good Catholics is there in that moment when they realize they have to do something and say, well, you don't have to do it alone. Because everything that's happened in your life, God saw. He saw it before your life happened. And because he saw it, he went to the cross because he saw you struggling, fighting, and losing, or railing against reality. And he realized that there was no way you were going to find out or figure it out on your own unless he come help you. He saw that 
and he went willingly, berated by Roman soldiers, beaten, dressed in purple robes in mockery of his majesty, and crowned with a crown of thorns in mockery of his dominion. Because he saw you, he went to the cross. He walked, carrying that cross to, Cal to Calvary. Because he saw you, he allowed himself to be nailed to that tree. Because he saw you, he gave one last opportunity before he breathed his last to show that mercy was still there, even at the last moments, when while being mocked by the thief on his left, when the thief on his right rebuked the bad thief and begged our Lord to remember him, gave him the capacity to say in his, with his last breaths, with his last few sentences, I am guilty of everything I was accused of, and my punishment is just. And God, the God-man, Christ Jesus, looked to him and said, This day you will be with me in paradise. that last expression of mercy in his most painful moment, physically speaking, in our Lord's most painful moment, physically speaking, looks to the good thief and says, this day, as you're right here, right at the moment of your own death, this day you will be with me in paradise. You who was a murderer, you who was a thief, You, who very likely lived a life of total degeneracy in both flesh and spirit. You, who have in this your last moment come to me and said, Remember me, Lord. You will be with me in paradise. Our Lord saw you, dear listener. He saw you go through that hell. He saw you do the things that you did. And he knows that unless he intervene on your behalf, you will condemn yourself. You will cause yourself an eternity of torment and pain. He saw you, and he died for you. And as long as you take breath, it's not too late. No matter how low you go, it is not too late to turn back and come home. To be the prodigal son who, stealing from the pigs to try to eat, realize that in your father's house, in the house of the Lord who made you, even the servants have enough.
as long as you still draw breath, you can come home. And for the rest of us who have returned to the sacraments, who go to regular confession, who receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we should be remembering that that's what we're praying for for each and every person, no matter how low they go. For Dr. Anthony Fauci, who decided that he was going to lie to the American people and line his own pockets and the pockets of what I can only assume were some form of defense contractor in the hopes of creating a disease that they could stand in the way of and pretend to be saviors. He, who actually, I guess, recently said in an interview that his ethics are somehow above the requirement to practice his Catholic faith. We need to be praying for him. We need to remember that every, every prayer is a blow against the devil. Every prayer is an exercise against the temptations of our own flesh. And every prayer is a bulwark, a shield against the influences of the world. And if we don't pray for the grace, we won't get it. Our Lady, um, during the time when she, in 1830, when she revealed herself um, and the design of the immaculate, uh, excuse me, of the miraculous, what we now know as the miraculous medal, uh, was struck, or designed, I should say, um, she told the good sister, or showed the good sister, that there were rings on her hands that were not emitting the light. And the, the light, in this case, were the graces. And the rings that were not emitting the light were not emitting the light and the grace because they weren't being asked for. And this is one of those things that's kind of true, not kind of true, is true on multiple levels. So on the one hand, we need to be asking for those graces. We need to be asking for the graces to be able to stand strong in chastity and humility and perseverance. We need to be asking for the graces to drive forward in charity. With faith that at least can reach the power of a mustard seed. We need to be asking for the graces to hope, even in our darkest times. We need to be asking for the graces to be able to look at a thing in justice and determine the truth. We need to be asking for the graces to fight our own temptations. We need to be asking for the graces to see what our temptations are. 
I open this whole thing with contempt because the last, the most recent battle I had, contempt was the source. A previously unidentified, I had no idea it was even there. I didn't even know it existed. And as soon as it began to be identified, I felt the attack. And it was pretty intense. And I would not have had the grace to even be able to see it if I wasn't asking for it. There were things, it was like I, <clears throat> I'm on my knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament begging Our Lady, going, I don't know what it is I'm missing. I just know that I'm missing something. There's something I'm not seeing and I don't know what it is. And she took me on a path down memory lane and things that were not even directly, like that consciously I hadn't directed or connected with those memories were slowly tied together. And basically she said, see here, this, this is actually what you haven't been looking at. This is the thing that you're missing. This wound from way, way back that stretched actually the majority of your life. This, it's this wound that is one of the biggest doors for everything that you're going through. And that wound was a wound that caused contempt in my heart. Loathing, repugnance, disgust. And as I began, as it got identified, <clears throat> I could feel a constricting force trying to make me stop praying. As I was praying the chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows, I could feel the constrictive force trying to make me stop praying. And as soon as I had its name, I took a break between the Hail Marys, named it, asked our Lord to cover it, in his precious blood to bind that little bastard to the foot of the cross. And as soon as I'd finished that prayer, I was able to continue. And what had immediate and what had be, and what had begun as a supplicative prayer became a prayer of thanksgiving. Almost immediately. Because as soon as I recognized exactly, like as soon as I, as soon as I was able to identify what was going on, and I could actually follow the track of it, and that moment of the release, and I looked and I go, oh, well, looked is not really the right word, but we'll, I'll stick with it, um, and looked and realized, okay, that was what I was, that was the thing I was hunting, and as soon as peace and calm returned to me, there was nothing else I could say besides thank you. Glory to God in the highest. Blessed. Blessed. I never say this. I never say the sentence in, in, in English. I almost always say it in, in Latin. Benedictus. Benedicta tu in mulieribus. Benedicta tu in mulieribus. Et benedictus fructus ventris tu Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed 
is the fruit of thy womb. And it was really, really wild because after that, after that day, I could feel that everything had changed. That suddenly things were just a little bit more normal. They weren't as intense. But everything had dialed back and I could see even the crazy stuff that was going on and go, oh, okay, well, let's step away from that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That was the grace I wasn't asking for before, and the moment I'd asked for that grace, she poured it on me. Buckets. Infinite buckets. The moment I'd asked. And the mistake we make is we don't ask. Our Lord says, ask and you shall receive. If you ask for the graces, you will get the graces. Our Lady was basically saying the same thing. These jewels on my hands that are not emitting the light are the graces that are not being asked for by the faithful. 
And she wants to give us the grace. She wants to give us the grace because our Lord wants to give us the grace. We have but to ask, and she'll pour it out in infinite heaps and buckets. And so, if I had any bone of contention about, you know, the, uh, the Novus Ordo Missae, it's this. That in those prayers, we're only asking for 13%. We don't even actually get a finger and a half. Now, <laughs> think about it. We don't even get a finger and a half of Our Ladies of the Graces that Our Lady and Our Lord want to pour out upon us because we're only asking for 13%. 13% of what had been the norm for 2,000 years. Is the Mass valid? Of course. But if I return to my father's house, even the servants are well fed. And maybe I don't have to go on not knowing the most dangerous things that are a threat to my soul. Maybe I can commit myself to asking for everything. Everything that our Lord wants to give us. Pray in the rosary or the office. Praying the Angelus making our morning offerings, making our evening offerings. Taking time out through the course of the day to remind ourselves that God is with us if we're just with Him. That He'll be with us if we commit to being with Him. very much along the lines of the opposite vein of Zeus. Our God is not some rapist. We have to give our fiat the way Our Lady gave hers. And we're going to fail. We're not going to do it right. We're, not, we're certainly not going to reach her level. But we each actually have a level of holiness a level of grace and glory that we are supposed to be at because God has actually made it that way. I'll never be as holy as Our Lady. I got it. But there is a level of holiness that God had in mind for me and I would only be robbing myself if I turned it away. Because I can't rob God. God's glory cannot be diminished. His wealth cannot be diminished. His riches, His grace, His mercy, His love, His justice, these things cannot be diminished, no matter what we do. But we can certainly deny ourselves His beneficence. All right, I'm going to take a second and realize I had never expected to use that word. I didn't even know that was in my lexicon.
we're coming into the time that I think prophecy is actually coming to an apex. I'm going to take a couple minutes on this. I think I've mentioned it in the past. Um, I'm hoping I can actually do it some justice and be quick about it. Pope, Saint, uh, Pope Leo XIII had a vision uh, while he was celebrating Holy Mass. Um, and it was a dialogue between God and the devil. And the devil sa says something to the effect, um, similar to what he did to Job. I can break your church. I can destroy your church. I just need time and, and power. <clears throat> and our Lord's like, okay, well, I mean, if you think you can do it, sure, why not? Let's see, let's see what you can do. How much time? 75 to 100 years. And more power over, and he named a specific uh, group. And our Lord said, you'll have it. And this was in the 1800s. In 1917, Our Lady appeared at Fatima to uh, Sister Lucia and uh, St. Jacinta and Francisco. Um, and through the course of time, told Sister Lucia, if men continue to offend God, there's eventually not going to be any more mercy. There, there, man can actually deplete the mercy that is available. <clears throat> now, the way we do that is, of course, we shut off the fountains of grace. The time is coming where there will be no more pardon for men's sins. Men are offending God, and he's already very much offended. And this is kind of the theme, pretty much from La Salette on. It's pretty much the theme. Men are offending God too much, and eventually there will be no more pardon to be had. Because eventually, God will have to fulfill his justice. Because we continue to spit in the face of his mercy. But it was still future tense for Sister Lucia. It was, it was future tense in La Salette. It was future tense with, uh, Mar with Sister Margaret Mary Alacoque. It was future tense with Sister Lucia. It was future tense even, even to Akita. For the most part. But there was one statement in the apparitions, in the list of apparitions, that was not future tense. Satan's wrath has been unleashed. It is no longer restrained. That sentence was spoken by Our Lady, April 12, 1947. Satan's wrath has been unleashed. The, the request was broadcast to Pope Pi, to Pope Pi, uh, excuse me Pope Leo the Thirteenth, which pushed him to write the Saint Michael prayers that we know and love, including the both the shorter one uh, Saint Michael uh, Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in battle, uh, be our prayer. The same pra the prayer. It's really really difficult for me to switch to Eng to English when this is such a naturally Latin prayer for me. Um, the same prayer that we open with. Santa Michal Arcangela defende nos proelio contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidio. That prayer. As well as the longer one and the one that's actually used in, in, the, um, in the traditional rite of exorcism. 
that drove him. It's like, this thing is coming, and this will be our bulwark. We will, St. Michael is a protector of the church, and we will beg him, and we will beg him for his protection. And it was future tense for Pope Leo XIII. It was future tense for Sister Lucia. The chastisements were future tense in her, appar in her apparition at Akita. But April 12, 1947, Satan's wrath has been unleashed. And so, if we take that as the benchmark, then here in another couple of months, we will uh, pass the 76th anniversary. 76, maybe 77. I don't know, I can't count right now. Um, of when Our Lady said that to Bruno Cornicula. Happens to coincide with Xavier Eral's assessment that 80, 80 to 83 years, 81 to 83 years, the benchmark for that measurement was actually the death of Marie-Julie Janney. 2021 was 81 years. Or excuse me, 21... Uh, no, 2021 was 80 years. 2024 will be the 83-year mark. That puts us comfortably within the scale. That means next year, if we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing as Catholics, if we're not living our lives out in our state according to our state and status, if we're not doing the penances, if we're not praying the rosary daily, if we're not going to Holy Mass, if we're not going to confession, if we're not receiving the sacraments as often as possible, if we are not doing these things, if we're not spending at least 30 minutes a day in prayer, if we're not doing these things, then we can have little expectation of receiving the graces that our Lord and Our Lady actually want for us. Pope John Paul II said we can no longer stop the, the occurrence, but we can try to mitigate its effects. And that's where we're at. This country is liable to tear itself apart in civil war, and it's not going to be clean. This country is liable to actually go the route of like the Rwandan genocide. The Houthis and the Tutsis. I think I got that right. I don't remember, honestly. But even, if, but even then, Our Lady came to Cabejo to try and intercede on the behalf of the people who were about to undergo a massive, massive bloodshed. And Our Lady's already been here a couple times. I believe in Champion. And I've talked very much about the, uh, the apparition Our Lady of, the Amer Our Lady of America uh, to... to uh, Sister Mildred, to Sister Mary Ephraim. <clears throat> She's been here calling us to purity. Why? Because the battle in America 
is a battle of chastity. It's a battle of purity. Should be kind of obvious. There's a gay porno made in the Capitol, in the building, in one of the committee rooms. We clearly have not done what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to be the bannermen of purity and chastity. That was, that was America's calling. And we didn't. Ten years after that apparition, we had the sexual revolution just pop off in full force. Four years after that, we had, we had Roe v. Wade. And in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade, 60 million babies slaughtered. To where we come to today, we're, we're near anywhere from 30 to 50% of all of the internet traffic in America is porn. where it's gotten so bad that they're developing sex bots with AI because we can't be, we can no longer face the fear of actually talking to a member of the opposite sex face to face. That's where we're at. Atomized, alone not having families, preferring instead to join in some simulation of the marital act with a computer program. Something that is literally not physical. Something that is literally sterile. And it's funny because we were warned. <clears throat> I had a good conversation with Eric Gajewski um, on a recent episode of uh, Trad Cat Night, a special guest podcast. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, I still do that once a month. The and typically comes out on a Saturday because I, you know, I've got a day job and so I can't just pop in during the week. Um, so typically we do those interview we do these interviews on Saturday. And what he would call predictive programming. And I've and I've heard the phrase used. In fact, I'm actually looking on my screen. Uh, Mike at Restoring the Faith on the Crusade channel, his podcast episode from Thursday was predict was uh, the title was predictive programming. What they call predictive programming, I don't think is predictive programming. So <clears throat> if you've been watching um, any of the conferences done by exorcists, you know, Father Vincent Lambert, uh, Father Chad Ripperger, um, or the, uh, what is it, the exorcist files on, on Spotify. Um, and there's an increasing number, and I'm glad, oh, glory to God, I'm glad that there's an increasing number. Because you can, you can figure out what the church teaches on these things by how those things come to pass, by how, by how exorcisms transpire and how the, and how the lives of the people who are delivered by exorcism, you know, uh, well, by our Lord through the hand or via the hands of the exorcist, you can see how the mechanisms are actually designed to work, how nature and supernature and preternature are actually assembled and how they function together and, and interact with each other. 
And the exorcists and exorcists will unanimously tell you that demons are slaves. They cannot, they, they, they exercise their free will in rejecting the salvation of souls and rejecting our Lord and rejecting our lady and in rejecting the plan of God. And so while they would just flail about and do whatever, they cannot do anything that God doesn't let them do. They cannot do anything except that which God permits them to do or commands them. Because both his positive will and his permissive will are in play during, during, a, during a demonic possession. So what most people in media would call predictive programming, I would say was God's warning. Because we're, as people, as humans, we're really dumb. You know, Klaus Schwab sits on a stage and he tells people that we're going to get everybody to live in pods and we're going to get them to eat the bugs and we're going to do these things for the sake of climate change. We're going to give everybody a digital ID and we're going to do these passports and we're going to do all of these things that are absolutely abominable. And he says it out there for everybody to see. And you, anybody can actually just click in and watch the videos and see him say it in his own words. They can see him in, you know, him and Yuval Harari in, in the interviews where they go, the future is not human. Humans are basically packed, hackable animals. And they're telling us this. And for those who've refused to believe them for the words that come out of their mouths, then we have the stories, the fictional stories that we tell ourselves. 1984. 2012, AI, The Matrix. And about 10 years ago, there was a movie that came out 10, yeah, right about 10, a little less than 10 years ago. There was a movie that came out called Blade Runner 2049. And the predictive programming, as they would say, would be the pairing up with AI. And maybe they'll get to the point where there's robots and replicants and okay, cool, whatever. We do know that's kind of part of the agenda. That's kind of what they want to do. That's It's in the cards for what they've said they're trying to do. And nobody believed it. And the thing is, is that if you look at a lot of people, as these things because it's really only those, those of us who are trying to strive towards the cross that are looking at these things and going, these things are evil and we cannot do these things. Because everybody else sees Blade Runner 2049 and goes, we could so totally do that and that would be awesome. Let me say that again. It's only those of us who are trying to strive to get close to our Lord's, to our Lord's cross that are looking at this and saying, this is evil. Because everybody else is looking at it and going, this would solve my problems. I'm a young man and I have no capacity to talk to women. But I do have the capacity to get an AI programmed robot that can do for me everything that a woman can do except bear children. And so I get the companionship that I need. I get the facsimile of a family that I need. 
And if it ever gets too much, it ever gets too painful, I can always just turn her off. I can always just flip the off switch if it ever gets out of control. So that I will forever be in control and I don't have to worry about being hurt or being wounded. I don't have to worry about someone looking at me and saying, well, you're ugly and I don't want to be with you or you don't make enough money and I don't trust you and I don't whatever, whatever, whatever the the wounds and the complaints would actually be. I don't have to put up with all of those things if I have a robot. Because while I do absolutely understand that it is not that that it is not good that we should be alone, I need a helpmate that's not trying to usurp my manhood. If you noticed, it was a man and a robotic woman. In that story, it was a man and a machine of a woman. And likewise, it was the same in the first movie. I mean, the whole point was, in, in the original Blade Runner, the themes were there, even though it was kind of clouded in all of the... I mean, let's be real, that was some seriously epic storytelling. But in the original Blade Runner, Harrison Ford's char character, Decker, meets Rachel, a replicant, a machine. And at the end of that movie, it's the two of them that are together. <clears throat> Part of the true abomination of that story actually came to pass in Blade Runner 2049. When it's revealed that Decker and the machine had a baby. That the fake, synthetic human was perfected to the point that she was actually no different. Actually no different than a real human. Stroke of hubris. I mean, it was a remarkable amount of hubris. And the ramifications from a theological perspective, like, and I'm going to be blunt, it's, that's the kind of thing that you need to see to understand And if you can avoid getting distracted by the by the the magnificent palette and the intense dramatic storytelling. The movie Blade Runner, the movies Blade Runner, both of them together, they express perfectly where it is that these people are trying to go. Those two movies express perfectly. And they don't even try to hide it, in all honesty. They explicitly state it. The intent is to somehow produce a machine that will live forever so that they can have their immortality as man and machine. You actually see a little bit of this in, um, uh, in the Warhammer 40K. Um, the gaming universe uh, by games uh, by games workshop um, <clears throat> the black library War, warhammer 40k you see the same theme 
It's the direction that the that the demon addled in this world want to go. Because they want to be in a world without God. They want to be in a world without the rules. They want they don't understand the magnitude of the level of slavery, the despair and just awfulness of what that world actually is. I was speaking with a friend and I found out um, a close relative of hers had committed suicide. He was like 30, it was in the mid to late 30s. Suffering from same-sex attraction. The wages of sin is death. That maxim is absolutely true. True in the absolute. I don't think we understand what it means to be for a thing to be true in the absolute. I think we end up like it's oh it's true always everywhere. Yes, yes, it's also true in every circumstance. It's true in every permutation. It's true from every perspective. It is true from a metaphysical and a physical context. It is true supernaturally, preternaturally, and naturally. It is true. And for me, it becomes not, it's never more obvious than when it's suicide. Never more obvious than when it's suicide. <clears throat> and I don't think we understand the wages, the just payment for sin is death. And we oftentimes forget that the, you know, the just payment for drug addiction is death. So you get a, you know, you do drugs, you get addicted to drugs. <clears throat> you get to the point where you can no longer release yourself from drugs. You're not, you can't turn away from them. And you keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until you die. Or you keep going, keep going, keep going until something, until God's grace pours out on you and you stop. And you start to fight to turn away. But the devil's wages are death also. The wages that we receive from the devil are death. The wounds that are inflicted upon us that open the doors for the demonic to actually take a more active role in our lives, those pay out death. And if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, if we're not committed, and if we don't understand, we will receive that pay. And we will continue to receive that pay so long as we are unaware of God's grace, 
or deny God's grace. And so it doesn't matter what we build. We can build all of the sex robots in the world. We can build, we can build sex robots where you can implant... A, by the way, just so in case you weren't aware, this is kind of the direction that I can see some of this going, is there will eventually be a version of a sex robot where you could put in, you could install an egg from a woman who don donates her eggs and get a sex robot pregnant. And if you don't think that's a possibility, clearly you haven't been paying attention to some of the technology that they're trying to develop. Because some of the technology they're trying to develop are artificial wombs in which babies can gestate and grow and come to maturity before they're born. Where you just pop a little glass lid off and you pick up your baby and, and, and hey, look at that, shake and bake babies. And if that's the direction they're trying to go with some of the stationary machinery, how much, like, how far of a stretch is it to come up with an artificial uterus, an artificial womb that you can pull from the machine and actually put in the incubator? which means that you could actually put put the egg in a device, commit self-abuse and, and a simulation of the coital act with the machine, and then take the device and put it in the incubator so that you can get your shake-and-bake baby. At least... I can honestly really can't believe I'm about to say this. At least in that scenario, a father no longer has to worry about the abortion of his child. In a world where women are constantly screaming about their so-called right to murder their own babies, at least in a situation like that, deplorable and as disgusting as it is, a father would not have to worry about the abortion of his baby. He wouldn't have to worry about having a falling out with the sex robot, because the sex robot, as soon as, as, soon as its work is done, you just flip the switch off, transfer the baby to the, to the incubator, and watch the baby grow. gracious and you look at that world and that's the world they want that's the world they want that's the world we open the door to and I said well you know everybody partakes in some of where, where we confirm that everybody partakes in some of the graces that pass from Christ into and through and out from the Catholic Church out into the world and confuse that concept with making the whole world, therefore, being in some weird way part of the mystical body of Christ without its knowledge, without its consent, without its, <laughs> without its choice. Extra ecclesiam nulla, nulla salus. Again, absolutely true. True in the absolute, regardless of the perspective, regardless of the circumstance. Because what the church is trying to teach today is that everybody can be saved, and you don't really have to be a member of the Catholic Church, but everybody's going to be saved whether or not they want to be. 
and that is preposterous on its face. You have to ask to be forgiven. You have to repent to enter into the church. If you don't repent, you don't get into the church, you don't receive the salvation. If you don't want the salvation that the church, that the church offers, then clearly you're not going to repent. Clearly you're not going to do those things. And it would be abominable in a particular way for God to say, well, you rejected me, but you got me anyway. You rejected me, but I'm going to push myself on you anyway. I'm going to commit an act of infinite spiritual rape because regardless of whether or not you want to come to me, I'm coming to you and you're going to be with me whether you want to be or not. Tell me that doesn't sound like a tyrant. Tell me that doesn't sound insane. Is it not more logical to assume that our Lord would give us the choice and we can choose to repent or not? We can choose to be saved or not. We can choose to do the things he asks. We can follow his commandments or not. And if we follow his commandments, then we get the rewards he promises. And if we don't follow the commandments, then we don't. Well, how's he going to punish me? Well, you asked for it. More accurately, you failed to ask for it. I don't understand why that's such a hard concept to understand. Our lady gave her fiat. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. You have found favor among the Lord. You have found favor with the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to give birth, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. And he is going to be the Savior of all mankind. And in that moment when she was formulating her response, as troubled as she was to hear all of that, fiat mihi, well, no, ecce ancilla domini, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done according to your word. Yes. The moment she understood, well, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come, o come over you. Because she said, how can this be? I have, <clears throat> my vow has not been violated and I've never been with a man. So how can this be? The Spirit of the Lord will come over you and overshadow you. And he will cause the Son to be conceived. And she could have said no. She could have said, nah, nah, partner, I ain't doing it. Instead, she said, Ecce anchila domini, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. She said, yes. Not like Zeus, who flies down in the form of an eagle and then reshapes himself to look like a cow and then commits, commits rape. Our Lord sent a messenger, gave the message, and gave Our Lady the choice. And she said yes. And she continued to say yes through Our Lord's entire life on this earth. And then some. As it has been proven, 
that she continued to say yes on into eternity. Yes, I will appear to Juan Diego and Tepeyac. Yes, I will appear <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> to sister uh, uh, to who was it Catherine to Sister Mary Catherine Labore. Yes, I will appear to St. Bernadette. Yes, I will appear to these three shepherd children. Yes, I will appear to Max to Maximin Gerard and Melanie in La Salette. Yes, I will appear to Sister Agnes Sasagawa. Yes, I will appear to, to Bruno Cornicciola. Yes, I will appear in Cabejo, Rwanda, right before the genocide. Yes, I will show up and I will tell people what they need to know and I will give them the path and the tools that they need. Yes, I will do this. Again and again and again. And no, we will not do this by force. We will not force you to say yes. You can say no at any time. In fact, more than you realize it, you say no every day. You have to wake up and go to work and the alarm goes off and you hit the snooze button. No, Lord, I'm not ready for the day yet. You're driving down the highway and you decide that you absolutely need to get in front of somebody so that, so that you can get to wherever it is that you're trying to go and you need to do so above and beyond their needs. No, Lord, I'm not willing to show restraint in this moment. I need to get to where I'm going. No, Lord, I choose me. You choose not to go to confession. No, Lord, I will not confess my sins because I'm afraid. And so I choose me. I choose my own comfort. Our Lord calls you to be a priest or a religious. And you say, no, Lord, I'm too much in this world and I don't want to give it up. No, Lord, I don't want to be in your service to the exclusion of my ability to go out and make money and have a family. No, Lord, I will not exercise restraint, and I will, in fact, buy that Kit Kat bar out of that candy machine. No, Lord, I don't feel like I have the energy to pray the rosary today. And so I'm going to sit in front and so I'm going to sit in front of my phone and watch TikTok. No, Lord, I'm not going to get up and clean my house. I'm not going to No, Lord, I'm not going to do the dishes. No, Lord, I'm not going to take out the trash just yet. I'll get it in the morning. No, Lord, I will not take the extra time to discipline one of my one of my employees because it's just too uncomfortable and I don't want to be in that conflict. We say no far more than we say yes. It's pretty much a guarantee. 
And not everything that I mentioned, in fact, actually most of what I mentioned, I don't think the church counts most of that as being mortally sinful. Some of it I would imagine they do. Some of it, even if they don't, it's probably still mortally sinful. You know, I didn't even get to the, I didn't even get to the, my, my, my body feels agitated and I need to calm it down. So no, Lord, I'm not going to suffer this. Instead, I'm going to go on to Pornhub. So that I can take care of this physically. No, Lord, I don't want to try and still my mind through my own effort, you know, maybe through prayer. I'm going to pick up that bottle of whiskey. We're going to go ahead and get ourselves through this case of beer. No, Lord, I don't want to face the day or life. And so I'm going to pop open this, this bottle of pills. I'm going to go ahead and shoot up. I'm going to smoke. By the way, I'm not talking about tobacco. Because tobacco doesn't have that effect where it causes where it causes you to not have to face things. Tobacco actually gives you a moment to focus. To try and develop a plan on how to tackle it. You don't get to reject anything on tobacco. Not like you do with weed or meth. No, Lord, I want this beauty for myself. And I will not be separated from it. And so I will commit this heinous act against this minor. For I will take this woman's virtue. For I will seduce this young man. Because I want that for me. Even though it's wrong. Even though there's a way to go about it properly. Through marriage and matrimony. In some cases. No, Lord, she's really beautiful and I want her now. And it's really not as important as to whether or not I get to raise children with her. No, Lord, this man makes me feel special. And despite all the warnings that he says those things to all the other girls, I can't be separated from him. I need him now. And I'm not willing to wait for my parents to approve or for the church to give her blessing. I think I covered most of it. I missed one. No, Lord. They're not going to do anything with that money that's worthwhile anyway, and I can use it better. I can do something worthwhile with that money, and so I'm going to take it from them. They were foolish enough to leave 
their electronics in their automobile. And so I'm just going to break the window and I'm going to take the electronics and I'm going to sell them. No, Lord, I don't believe that there is a justified reason for this particular general or that particular notable person. And I'm going to tear this statue down. No, Lord, we don't need this government or those police. They're all evil. And so I'm going to burn this building down. No, Lord, I'm not going to accept the fact that life is pain and that people, you know, generally have to try and make figure out, figure it out. And so I'm going to burn this whole city to the ground because some kid thought it was necessary to defend his own life against a pedophile who was trying to kill him. No, Lord. Didn't you see what they did on October 7th? They killed thousands of people. We can't afford to leave even one of them alive. No, Lord. These cars are destroying the planet. And so we're going to ban the gas that heats the homes and keeps these cars moving. Are you doing that for me? No, I'm doing it for us. Doing it for people. But millions are going to die. I can't be bothered with that, Lord. The, the ends justify the means. All right, now I think I've covered everything. <laughs> if I missed one, shoot me an email. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com let me know one more what you happen to notice. Or you can find me on Twitter at Caleb Mechanic. One word, Caleb Mechanic, all one word. Um, <clears throat> if I missed one, let me know. So many different ways to tell our Lord no. From the mundane to the horrifying. And I think that's probably probably the key message. Our Lord doesn't want us to tell him no. But more than that, every time we do tell him no, we're stealing from ourselves. Because we can't steal from him. He is all. He's in all. He made all. It all exists according to his will. You're not going to steal from him. That 10 bucks in your pocket that you earned at work this week, doesn't matter. It's his money. Why? He made you. He made the work. He made the people who put you to work. He made the elements that were put to build the machines to print the money. It's his. And there's nothing you can do to steal from him. It's not actually possible. The only thing you can do is deprive yourself. And the more you deprive yourself, the more you allow yourself to be deceived, to choose the things that are not him, the more death you inherit, the more death you reap. That's just a fact. 
And I wish, I wish all people kind of understood that part. Because I think if we, if everybody just kind of understood that basic, that basic piece, I think a lot more people would be much more faithful than they are. And I believe, I know, there'd be less drug use, there'd be less suicide, there'd be less depression, there'd be less hate. There'd be more families and more churches and more communities and more peace. Continue to pray this Advent season. I'm hoping you're taking advantage of one of the many novenas. I'm hoping you're taking advantage of fasting and penance taking, and taking advantage of the graces that are available to you. I pray that you're becoming as holy as God wants you to be. We're not going to reach the level of Our Lady, but that's no excuse to not, to not reach the highest, the highest level of holiness that we can. Pray for the church, pray for the nation, pray for our prelates who, I mean, with a couple of exceptions, seem to be all but lost. And pray for all of us in Catholic social media, every last one of us morons who gets out here and starts talking about this stuff because we can so easily go wrong. As with every time I start diving into this stuff, anything that I get wrong according to Catholic doctrine, according to the church's teaching, that's my fault. I'm the one foolish enough to actually literally try and talk for more than an hour and a half in stream of consciousness, on the fly, from memory. Anything I got right, credit goes to my guardian angel and credit goes to Our Lady, specifically under her title of Our Lady of Sorrows, since it's that title for her, for her, our queen, that I invoke at the beginning of every podcast. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.